0: Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from The Message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. Called this uh, talk a double whammy of blessing. I'll explain that to you in a moment. Um, Over 40 years ago, I got married. And uh, you got the whole Bible to choose from. And uh, what are you are going to read at your wedding? And I decided that we were going to read, or Andy Renshaw, who read the reading, was going to read Romans chapter 8 because they're just spectacular verses. And these are the verses that we read at mine and Michelle's wedding in Tiedel Parish Church from Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is like um, one of the best known and most loved chapters in the Bible. But these, these are the verses from verse 31. And I'm going to read some chunks of scripture this morning. So even if you don't get anything out of what I say, this is powerful. Listen to this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered no in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us from convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ our Lord now if I was in Uganda and I read that passage everybody would be on their feet right now Everybody would be like, yes, amen, hallelujah. Can we have a hallelujah? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I I, I actually had to say at the church I spoke at on Sunday evening, I, I said, look, you know, I'm from Manchester and I'm a Manchester United fan. Hey! Everyone else is, they're all Man United fans in Kampala. I love it. I'm a Man United fan. Hey! And when I go to English churches, I have to say to them, look, you know, you get so excited when United score a goal and you will go crazy. But what about getting excited about Jesus? Uh, yeah, I come here and I say, just calm down a bit, Uganda. <laughs> you know, it's like you're getting more excited than I see football fans about Jesus and about his gospel As we're preaching, so maybe we need a bit more of that. Just when we, especially when we read glorious passages like that. But it's not just the last bit of Romans chapter 8. So much of it means so much to so many people. What about there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Verse 1. What about verse 26? Especially as we are in the midst of this prayer week, this 24 7 prayer week, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray or what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. That is going to happen this week. And it's going to be remarkable. And then perhaps the most loved verse in Romans chapter 8, of course, is 28. And we sang it, didn't we? I like that. Whoever chose the songs. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. But the funny thing about that verse is we don't tend to do Romans 28 and Romans 29. We just go for, in all things, God's working for the good of those who love him. For those, this is verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also be predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. The good that God works in all things, even the worst things that life throws at us, if we hold on to Jesus, is that we're conformed to the likeness of his Son. The only way we're going to change the world if we're conformed to the likeness of his Son, and sometimes we have to go through some terrible things, but in all things God's working to make us more like Jesus. That's, that's the goal. It's not like, in all things, you know, my girlfriend's chucked me. I'm going to get a better looking one coming along just around the corner. Or I'm, I'm facing a financial calamity. Bingo, you know. Somebody's going to put a few grand in my bank or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, some Something disastrous happens. I've got an illness. I, I'm going to, now God can heal, listen to this, but it might be that in that, he's making you more like Jesus, which is the big, big healing, isn't it? Because if we're more like Jesus, people are going to see more of Jesus in us and we're going to be more useful to him. What I've just said could change your life if you fully embraced it, if we fully embraced it. In all things, God's working for our good and for his glory that we may be conformed to the likeness of his son. Romans 8 is all about the beautiful work of the Spirit of God in our lives. If you remember chapter 7 a couple of weeks ago, it was all about the law actually about freedom from the law. We're free from having to earn our way to God through following a law, rules of the Old Testament. Chapter 8 is all about the Spirit. Chapter 7, the law was mentioned 31 times and the Spirit just once. Chapter 8, the Spirit is mentioned 19 times. Side by side of these two chapters, the weakness of the law to save and the power of the Spirit to save. Can I hear a hallelujah? Hallelujah. <laughs> The power of the Spirit to save anybody, even some rampant addict, 12 years lost in addiction, even some kid who's rejected on the street and moving into gang culture, even some little girl who's marked by genius but is just separated, boxed in by Jesus and facing these traumatic things. He can save anybody. The Spirit's work in our life. The chapter is actually about the security we have as a Christian, because of the Spirit's work in our life. There's a a double whammy of blessing. Chapter 8 starts with the blessing of there's no condemnation and it ends with there's no separation. How blessed are we? If you know there's no condemnation, if if you know you're right with God and you know nothing can separate you from his love, it will change your life. No one can condemn me because Jesus has been condemned for me. The work that God has done in our life, Satan will try to undermine that. And he's an accuser. He's a dirty, sneaking, lying accuser. Of course, he'll come in and he'll accuse us and he'll try and condemn us, try and make us believe we're useful, useless or we've gone too far now. Look at your thought life, look Look at what you've just done. But there's no condemnation because I'm in Christ. All my past sins, all my present sins, all my future sins were nailed onto the cross and nothing can separate us from the love of God. Once we've accepted that, you heard it and I had it read out at my wedding 40, 40 plus years ago and it's the thing that's kept me going. The fact that nothing, death nor life, angels nor demons, present nor future, height nor depth, any powers, all creation, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Once you've accepted something happens when I accept Christ and it's massive Nothing can, ex- can remove my, sep- my place of acceptance by God. And if you believe that, you're free. You're free to walk with your head held high because there's no condemnation and there's pure liberation, and that's what we're meant to be walking in. So I got, I got to South Africa uh, two and a bit weeks ago on a Saturday night, and I landed just in time to watch the South African rugby team in the World Cup final with a bunch of crazy South Africans. I mean, this is like England winning the Soccer World Cup. We've never seen that, never experienced that. Well, I have actually. I'm probably the one person in the room that in my lifetime experienced England winning the World Cup. But it was 1966, and I was only six years old. And I kind of remember it, actually. Watching a little black and white telly with my grandma. And uh, I'd saved up all week to buy one of these big ice creams. I was allowed at six years, at halftime in the World Cup final, to run to the shop and buy this, it's called a heart lolly. It's the equivalent of a magnum. And I remember sitting there, Watching Jeff Hurst and Martin Peters, that's how old I am. But there will be kids all over South Africa who are telling that to their grandkids. I was there. And against all the odds, they won the last three games in a rugby game by one point. And and their captain is this fella. Absolutely. Do you know who that is? Well, if you're if you're South African, he is the most famous man in the country. He is like forget Harry Kane, this is next level. He's called Sia Khalisa. And he is a remarkable man. Again, another person who grew up in rank poverty in a township. He grew up for days on end. He'd have nothing to eat. He tells in his books about, yeah, you say you're a bit hungry, but try not eating for three days because there's no food. But somebody recognised him as an amazing sportsman. And he got, um, he got sent to a good school. And he's, jo- and he's the most amazing communicator. And for a long time, black South Africans used to support New Zealand. Did you know that? They support New Zealand because it's not South African rugby team. It's a white man's team. It was just like 14 or 15 white men. and That's not representative of our country. What's that all about? So they all, in the townships, they all supported New Zealand. And if New Zealand played South Africa, they'd all be cheering for New Zealand. But it's beautiful to see. And, and that my journey to the airport took ages because the South African team were doing their parade with the cup. And the townships were going crazy. And it kind of united the nation in the most beautiful way. And I pray it'll be a big uplift, not just for a, a week of excitement for this nation. But he is such a Jesus follower, this man. He is so unashamed of his faith. And this is the picture. You got that second picture? Can you see what he says on his, on his wrist? That's him lifting up the trophy as the black captain of South Africa. But the one who's lifting up the trophy is really Jesus because he's set this man apart and lifted him up out of poverty and, and giving him this amazing voice. But the thing about the South African rugby team was, oh, just to see them, you know, this multiracial team just with a head held high. We've won this magnificent trophy. We've gone through it. We united a nation. It's just, it was just amazing to be there. And I wasn't even that gutted when England lost in the semi-final, because I was there four years ago, funnily enough. When South Africa last won the World Cup. And, uh, but I think this with this one particularly was just next level. You know why I say all that? i tell you that because it's a good story, isn't it? It's fantastic. This whole thing about the hope we can see when we go into, into tough communities and the most broken communities. But if we can see people the way Jesus sees them. Little Khaleesi starving. And yet God's got this big plan for his life. What should our response be to this double whammy of blessing? The answer is live with a head held high and have a burning desire for holiness. On the back of all that God's done for us, all this acceptance, all this freedom, all this liberation, We've got a desire to live right for God because here's another double whammy according to Romans. God made a way for our justification through Christ's death but he also made a way for our sanctification through the indwelling Spirit. You weren't given the Holy Spirit primarily so you can shabba dabba do or move in the gifts. You were given the Holy Spirit to make you more like Jesus. Give you desire to be holy. The Holy Spirit is not working in your life unless you desire to be holy. You're resisting him, you're quenching him because his work is to make you more like Jesus. Through it all, holiness is so important. How many times have you heard me say the most important thing you bring to the message is your desire for holiness? So let's set our hearts and minds on what the Spirit wants. Listen to this. Chunk Chunk of Romans 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. You, however, message, you have a brother and sister in this room. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. You're in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. If you've got the Spirit of Christ, you're in the realm of the Spirit. There's been a a radical born again, new creation thing happened, and you're in the realm of the Spirit, and the Spirit will lead you into ever greater holiness You'll be more like Jesus. You'll be crazy and wild and passionate and fun-filled and peaceful and joyful. But you'll also be set, you'll set your mind. Have have you actually, and I was challenged, have I set my mind on things above? What energises me? What, What absorbs my thoughts, in other words? Is it the things above? Is there a deep desire to live right? for God's glory and represent him well in response to his great love for me. And I want to read another chunk just to bring this into land. I want to bring another, read another chunk of Scripture um, where Paul kind of underlines all this so beautifully in Galatians chapter 5. And I think God might be going to speak to you. As you think, well, what does it truly look like for me, a uh, little me, to truly live in light of the double whammy of blessings? the blessing of no condemnation, the blessing of freedom and liberation, the blessing of justification being made right with God and the blessing of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to live right for God. So listen to what Paul said to the Galatian church. He said, so I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. So that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's stand together. Oh Lord, we want to live by your Spirit. We want to keep in step with your Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, fill us in light of your amazing, incredible love that you've made a way for sinners like us to be right with you. Thank you that there's no condemnation. There's absolute freedom in Christ. Thank you for the way you've made for us to be saved through the cross. Thank you for the power you've given us to live holy lives. We just submit to all that. We say this morning, Lord, we want to keep in step with that. In other words, keep in step with you. So Holy Spirit hammers in. And even this morning, it's the stuff in our lives that doesn't match up to that. Convict us and change us so that we can be formed to the beautiful pattern of your son, Jesus. We can be more like you, Jesus. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. Thanks for listening.